Welcome back to License to Chill, the Margaritaville podcast. I'm Patrick McDonald. And I am Ryan Middledorf. This is your weekly walkabout. Oh. You know, we're going on something else. We're, we're taking a step away from whatever you're up to. Uh, take a break from that email. <laughs> yeah. Put that document down. Yeah. Stop gardening. <laughs> Do something else. Hang out with us. Or maybe keep gardening while listening to this podcast. You know what? This is the number one best podcast to listen to while gardening. Yeah, we got on a list. Did you see that list? We got on a list. Yeah. I wrote it myself. Of course <laughs> I saw it. We have such a fun show today, Ryan. Uh, this is kind of an unconventional guest for us. And yeah. I am so excited because we want to talk to all sorts of people who travel is their job. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much to traveling that we don't discuss. And there's so many things that can be in your way before you get to where you're trying to go. Yes. So many stressful things that can ruin your vacation before you even get there. Yeah. And this guy, it's his job to make sure that people are getting not to a nice vacation, but to a professional baseball game, an MLB game. That's right. Our guest today is the senior travel director for the Minnesota Twins. We talked about what it takes to coordinate travel for an entire baseball team, embracing the inevitability of things going wrong, and secrets, tips, and hacks from someone whose entire job is about traveling correctly. Please welcome Mike Herman. Mike Herman, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I look forward to this. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I, I just took my uh, Dodgers hat off. We just <laughs> talked about you came on. I was I was wearing a corduroy Dodgers hat, more for the fabric than the team. But I want to say, you know, well, now you you're know, taking a step back. <laughs> Listen, I actually hate the Dodgers. Let's talk about it. In present company, I hate the Dodgers. No, no, no. We're all good. Um, maybe, uh, Mike, uh, let's let's start with you uh, introducing yourself and and tell us exactly what you do uh, for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, no, so I'm the senior director of team travel for the Minnesota Twins. I'm in charge of basically all of the logistics that you could think of as it relates to a major league baseball team. You know, off-season work is preparing for spring training, so that's finding lodging for everybody in in, in Florida. Uh, that's finding housing for our front office staff, uh, getting everybody down there, whether it's by car or by, by plane. Um you know that that's all the off season stuff, and then we when when you move into the regular season, that turns into you know booking hotels for our team throughout mm -hmm. the throughout the year in the various cities that we go to. Um, our charter contract, uh, we we happen to fly with Delta Airlines, buses, tr equipment, trucks, car services, anything that you can imagine that that is related to a a, a baseball team moving around the country throughout the course of a season is uh, all stuff that falls on my plate. Wow. And and just to set the table, how many people involved in the organization that travel? So our typical traveling party for a major league road trip is around sixty-five to seventy. Wow! And that that includes players, coaches, um, non-uniform staff, whether that's trainers or myself, our PR director, um, massage therapist, strength and conditioning, tr athletic trainers. You know, all those types of people. Um, TV, we we travel our TV and, and radio uh, broadcast crew. Wow. You know, you get up to about 65 to 70, depending on, on the trip. My question is, how do you end up in this position? What's what's the step? Or is it because you are interested in travel yourself? Or is it because you're good at travel? Is I mean, this is all logistics to me, something that as somebody who is kind of a wild traveler, I'm not good at. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually it's actually a good question, and it's a question that I get asked a lot yeah. um, when when I talk to stu groups of students or people who are trying to get into baseball. 
they all it sounds like it's really cool because you're traveling around the country or the world with a major league baseball team and it is cool but it's a lot of work and it takes up a lot of time yeah uh so i was i started with the twins in 1999 as an intern in the pr department and i worked my way you know kind of through that department i was the p i ended up being the pr director handling all the interviews and you know uh, baseball information and as part of that job i traveled you know you got to i got to know the hotel contacts and the the people on the road whether it's the visiting clubhouse staff and in 2012 about halfway through the season uh, our general manager came into my office and pulled our now vp of communications who was my assistant into my office and basically said we're making some changes around here you know mike in about an hour you're the interim director of team travel and Dustin, you're the interim director of communications. Are you guys on board? In about an hour? <laughs> yeah. So, so it was one of those situations where you were left with shock and awe of like, wait, what just happened? And it turns out that it was a great move for me and for Dustin um, because it allowed us both to kind of advance in the organization Um I had interest in doing this job. Um, I had actually interviewed with the San Francisco Giants that spring, the spring training prior to that. Um, so like a few, four months prior to that, I had interviewed with the Giants for their open travel director job because my wife is from the Bay Area and wow. that would have helped us get out there. I didn't get that job and it was probably a blessing that I didn't because four months later, the Twins ended up making a move and and putting me in this the same job and it's with the team that I grew up watching, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. a huge Twins fan. I've lived here my whole life. I get to work for the team that I cheered for as a kid. So that's the long story of of how I how you get to this job. Totally, like yeah. nobody, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I really want to go to school to be a travel director. Um, <laughs> but right? it's it's and, such... and, and frankly, there's no there's no path to it. There's, sure. Like there's yeah. no set path. If you looked at the 30 travel directors in Major League Baseball, all of us have some weird, unique way of how we got to this job. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool job. I mean, as you know, Patrick and I travel a lot for Margaritaville, going to different resorts and stuff. And I feel like since we started doing it a couple of years ago, you and I have learned a lot about traveling yeah. specifically. I'm, I'm curious, you know, for you when you first started, you know, what what were some of the hurdles that you faced that you didn't expect necessarily? What were some things that you learned along the way that now you, you know, are part of your daily life? The biggest takeaway I have from a learning standpoint is you have to be adaptable. Like you have to be able to adapt to anything and almost be a chameleon, right? Like nothing phases you <laughs> stuff's going to go wrong. Everyone's going to think it's the biggest deal in the world, but in the end it really isn't because we're going to get from point A to point B. People are going to have beds to sleep on. They're going to have a plane, a, a seat to sit on, on the airplane. They're going to have a key packet. They're, you know, they're going to have a locker set up at the next ballpark. Um, you know, you just have to let things roll off your back a little bit in this job. And keep in mind, I'm dealing with a lot of different, let's say, egos yeah. in this line of work because, you know, not saying all players have egos. Some do, sure. But they they all expect, you know, the first class accommodations, first class travel. Um, broadcasters, same thing. Some of them have been around a while. They expect certain things. You're just dealing with so many different people that you can't let things bother you in this job. And people always ask me, what's the hardest part of your job? 
Well, I would, it's an easy answer for me. And I give it the same answer every time. The hardest part of this job is that I have to rely on so many other people to do their job right? in order for my job to go off without a hitch, right? Like I can't, I can't tow the plane from the hangar over to where we leave from at Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport. But if the plane's not there, it's my fault. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh I can't fly the plane, but if the pilots aren't there, we're not going anywhere. Right. Right. If the buses don't show up, well, I have confirmations that the buses are going to be there from the company, but I don't physically drive the buses to where they're picking us up. So, and I'm not passing blame. I'm just saying that if, someone isn't doing their part of the job, it's like taking a link out of a chain, right? You break yeah. the chain. What's the farthest you've had to go? I, I've, I've worked in, in, in positions. I was an assistant out here, uh, and I handled travel for one person. And there were some times that uh, it was it was a little bit much for me. So, so the, level, <laughs> the level at which you're handling it is, is, is incredible to me. Um, uh, what's the farthest you've had to go in kind of phone calls and kind of uh, extraordinary lengths? Like, have you gotten on the phone, like Pat, been patched into the air control, air traffic control <laughs> at an airport? Like, what's the what's truly like the farthest you've ever had to go to get something to happen? You know, we not so much like calling into the air traffic control. <laughs> right, I don't know what they would help. Like, but but to your point, asking someone from Delta to do so. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You know, some that we there was a situation where we we were delayed on the tarmac because of a storm, and then what happens when there's a storm and no planes are taking off? As soon as the airport opens up again, now there's a line of forty planes that need right. to take off. So you you try to work some angles here and there to try to like go from thirty seventh in line for takeoff to maybe eighth, right? <laughs> You're wheeling and dealing. <laughs> Who wants to see a Twins game kind of stuff? Yeah, right. well, you got two tickets right here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's you. You do have to make some certain calls in these scenarios. But yeah, you know, one time I got off the bus in New York City in Manhattan. The road was blocked off. We were trying to leave to go to Yankee Stadium. There was there were barricades on. I think it was on Madison Avenue. And I went up to the police officer officer and I said, "Hey, we need to get. We need to turn left here. We're going to Yankee Stadium. We're the Minnesota Twins going to play the Yankees tonight." And the cop turned turned at me and said, oh, we're not opening up the road for you guys. <laughs> that's a situation where, you know, you try to use the name, but it didn't get us anywhere. It got us a nice little holding pattern at a stoplight behind a barricade. Oh, so you just had to wait. <laughs> that's so frustrating. Um, and just in terms of the season, how many dates are you all on the road typically? So it varies based on the number of off days that are baked into the schedule, right? So I think every team has 18 off days or something throughout the course of the six months. And some of those are at home. Some of them are on the road. I think next year or in the 2023 season, we were on the road, I think, 94 days during the regular season. And next year, I think during the regular season, it's 90. Okay. Um, So, yeah, it's you're spending a lot of time in a hotel room and a lot of time with, you know, we we always joke that you know we spend more time with our coworkers than we do our families yeah um because we're gone so much right because it's not like when you come home then you have a week off you come home and you have seven straight games at home before you leave again right so so you're spending all this time with your coworkers not not with your family members but thankfully we have a good group and we all for the most part 
as a staff get along and we have fun together. So, you know, our wives are all friends outside of outside of work. So when we're gone, they can get together and hang out and and spend time together and and do their thing while we're out gallivanting around the country. Be being away for that long i mean um do you do you get homesick and if so how do you make the road kind of feel like home is there anything that you bring with you or anything that you do because i mean imagine you're just it's hotel room to hotel room to hotel room which can oftentimes feel like kind of very bland and you know just difficult i guess at times i mean for me personally so how do you sort of bring any type of home aspect with you when you're out on the road well so the challenge for me is having um a wife and two boys at home. Um, my boys are 11 and eight. And <laughs> the funny thing is they get really, the, the boys get really sad when they see the suitcase come out, right. The oh, night before yeah. a road trip, yeah. they know, okay, they get really sad. Dad's packing. He's going to be gone. How long is this trip? Dad, is it four days or is it two? Is it, if it's two series, we know it's at least six days. Are there any off days? Does that mean you're going to be gone longer? So what we do, it's funny because then the next day when I kiss them goodbye, I leave and whenever every time I try to FaceTime them, they just clear the call when I'm on the road. <laughs> it's like I'm not even gone. Right? They don't even want to talk to me. Um, but you know, usually what we'll do is you know we'll have we'll have times where like I'll call I'll call home and we'll FaceTime and like I'll watch them eat dinner and you know it's almost like I'm there but I'm not physically there. Um, they always enjoy, one of their favorite things to do is right when I get to a city, they'll FaceTime me and say, Dad, turn your camera around and show us your room. They just want to see what every different hotel room is like. <laughs> and, you know, part of it, they're, they're a little spoiled now because sometimes, you know, if, if, if my family meets me on the road, sometimes the hotel will upgrade me and they've gotten used to like having nice rooms, right? Mm -hmm. So then when we check into a hotel on a family vacation or something, they're like, they go running into the room and they're like, Oh, what is it? It's just a re regular hotel room. <laughs> like, guys, you can't be that spoiled. Okay? <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's a regular hotel room, but it, you try to keep it as normal as possible. I'm, I'm fortunate because they both love baseball. Cool. And so, and my wife has come to love baseball too. So we try to make it a point for them to meet me on the road a couple of times, um, you know, in a, over the summer when they're not in school, they try to like, um, we have a big cork board in our basement. It's a map of the United States with every Amer every major league city with a star. And th they can put like a thumbtack in each time they go to a, a, a new ballpark. So cool. they're trying to like run the gamut of seeing, I mean, they're nowhere near ma making all 30 yet, yeah. <laughs> but you know, they're closer than most kids of 11 and eight years old. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so we just try to be, try to make it as normal as possible. And then when, when we're home, we try to spend as much quality time together as we can because that's the unique time that we have together aside from the off season. That's great. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, I, I can imagine sometimes they feel like your other kids, the players of the group, <laughs> of coordinating uh, such a large group of people to travel so frequently. Uh, uh, I, I know that I, it's, I, I'm the type of traveler that I like to be on time. I like to be pretty early somewhere. I like to be set up. I like to know what's going on. And then I like to chill out at the airport. I mean, ha have you dealt with some some tardiness have you dealt with some some difficulty of finding people like banging on a they? hotel room yeah. do you 
track them on your phone? Do you have find my find my friends on for all the players? Like, how do you make sure you wrangle all these people in the same place? Well, fortunately, our travel schedule is based on the baseball schedule, right? right. So, if we're leaving Minnesota, it's usually after a game. So, you know, as soon as the game's over, we write up. Everyone in, the, in our group drives on their own to the airport in Minneapolis, and we park at uh, FBO. Okay. Um, so we'll write on the board everyone at the airport by 5:30 p.m. And then at that point, you know, some if it's if it's a weekday, you know, some guy might call me at 5:15 and say, "Hey, I'm stuck in traffic. You know, I think I'll be there by 5:30, but it's going to be tight." Well, we're not like tied to. They're not shutting the 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 door of the airplane right if we're short one or two people right we did de- we determine when the door gets closed that's good. so it's not like a commercial flight where you know where you have to worry about like running through the airport jumping over things you know you know knocking people over it's nothing like that right but yeah there's situations where you might you might be looking for somebody or wondering where somebody is it's again that's one of those things that you just have to let roll off your back because some of our guys like to shower right away after the game at home, but then go hang out with their family in the parking lot at Target Field until the very last minute, and then they'll be the last person on the plane. As soon as we get everybody from that flight manifest checked off, then we leave. If it happens to be 15 minutes late, so be it. 20 minutes late, so be it. There's nothing, like, I've learned over the years that if I stress about that, I'm going (laughs) to drive myself into the ground. There's no reason, like, just don't even worry about stuff like that. It's inevitable. That stuff is going to happen. And so yeah. you, you shouldn't worry about it. Yeah, that's a, that's that's what I'm trying to work on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm like um, you. I like getting to the airport early. Yeah, um, my it's it's one of my quirks. My wife doesn't really like it because when we fly commercial, it's like, hey, I have no problem. I love airports. Yes. I love people watching. Um, so I have no problem getting to the airport. You know, three hours early and just getting through security, taking my time. Well, kind of laughing at people that are rushing or like running to their gate. Like, what were they doing? They knew when their flight was. Like, you should have been here two hours yeah, ago. They probably yeah. booked it three months ago. They had yeah. so much time to so, prep for this day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we were just chatting with Shaquem Griffin. He was on uh, the the Seahawks for a number of years, and he was telling us a little bit about NFL travel and the camaraderie on the bus or on the plane, uh, and just how vibrant it was. So he was saying that after you know their team won a game, like nobody was sitting down in their seats; they were all up partying and having a good time. Is it similar with a baseball team? I mean, I know you guys have so many more games in a season and in a series. Uh, do people still you know celebrate and get really amped when they're going to the next destination, or are they just beat? You know, not so much during the course of the regular season. Um, like you said, we have so many games. Yeah. So, you know, I have some friends who work in football, and one of their games is like 10 of ours. Yeah. So like, if we rattled off a 10-game win streak and got on a plane, guys would be probably partying, right? Yeah. yeah. They're having a good time. So that's like one football game. Right. Right. So our, the amount – we take 40 segments or 30 – next year, I think 39 segments of – you know, flights, whereas football teams are taking, you know, they have eight road games, so they're taking 16. So it's a little bit different. Um, But, you know, there's certain flights, you know, towards the end of the year, if you're in it and you're about to clinch, you know, those flights can get a little rowdy. Um, (laughs) But again, we're usually flying somewhere and then have a game the next day, right? Right, Whereas football teams win, 
fly home and they probably have Monday off. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, you know, the two sports are a little dissimilar in that aspect, but yeah, they, it's always fun to get on an airplane after a big, big win and in which the team is celebrating. Like when we flew home from Houston after game two of the American League Division Series this year, after we beat them, everyone was flying pretty high, literally and figuratively, right? Like we're all <laughs> <Yeah>. excited. <laughs> we're on the plane. Everyone's pumped because we just we just won a game on the road in the postseason. But during a normal regular season trip, you wouldn't know if we lost 10 to nothing or won 15 to one. How do you combat like travel fatigue, both for yourself and for the players and the rest of the team? I mean, what's, I feel like that's the, the big question, especially all the different time zones you're going through. Do you just get used to it, especially these young players? So we're pretty lucky because of geography, right? Right, so, right, right. So we're right in the middle of the country and we don't necessarily have a lot of overnight travel. Um, or late night travel. The, and again, that's based every year on the schedule and what teams end up doing to you. There, there are guidelines in place that major, the Major League Baseball and the union have negotiated in the CBA about game times on travel days. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I remember one year we flew from Seattle to Dallas after a after a night game in Seattle, and we landed at like seven ten in the morning, and we were fighting rush hour traffic to get to our hotel from DFW, we had an off day that day. So it wasn't like that big of a deal, but still your off day is consumed by sleeping. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Everyone got to their hotel room. And even if you slept for like six hours, it was afternoon by the time you woke up. Right? Yeah. So we don't have to worry about that as, as much as the coastal teams do. I know some teams um, base their flights, base their travel on, you know, if they're flying west to east, they might not leave after a game. They might wait till the next morning, but then that chews up their entire off day, right? Yeah. Mm. So, like, take the Dodgers for instance. You know, since you had their hat on earlier, yeah, uh, maybe allegedly they might play <laughs> if they play on a Sunday, and they're playing in New and they're going to New York. They might wait and leave at 10 a.m. the next day. Yeah. So guys don't get in at five six in the morning. Right. 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 But then you lose that whole off day. I'm curious about your personal travel as as a travel director, you know, in your personal travel, like vacations with your family. If something goes wrong, do you start going into, you know, director mode and try and fix it in my head? Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I realize that people that work at airports have jobs and most of the time have tough jobs because mm. when everything goes smoothly, nobody says anything. The only time people really want to talk to them is to complain or, you know, argue about something. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves when I travel is um, people standing at the gate waiting to board when they're in like zone D yeah. or whatever airline you fly. Like they're the last ones to board, but they're going to go block the walkway to <laughs> the board. It's a sin. You know, yeah. Everybody yeah. knows like I fly Delta a lot because Delta's, you know, uh, we're a Delta hub. It's veterans it's it's first class cabin it's sky priority it's people traveling with young kids gold you know medallion status whatever like mm -hmm. there's an order to this yes. and yes. unless you have <laughs> never flown before you know that order right <laughs> people that are flying know that order yes yet they're still parading to the you know <laughs> the walkway to to get their their phone scanned or their ticket scanned and it's like i always enjoy standing back and waiting and I have 
status so I can board with that the sky priority. And then it's just like you kind of like walk through people, like excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Parting the Red Sea, flashing yeah. your badge. You know, it's just like we all know how this works. Yes, yeah. It's just like we know the it's order. It's just like getting off, getting off of an airplane too. Oh my gosh, that's my question. What's what's your thought on the people that get in the aisle the second the plane lands? Oh, you know what? It's obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, so rude. I mean, we're, so we are all going to the same place. Yes, yeah, right? exactly. We're all going to, we're all going to either the, either baggage claim or ground transportation or something right. like that. Plane's not going to leave with you still on it. <laughs> Correct. And, and you moving up two rows and stopping in my like row is saving you like seven seconds. Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it, and it yeah. <laughs> And when I travel with my family, we're usually towards the back of the plane because that's usually where you can get the, you know, three seats across and then I'm across the aisle. So as soon as the plane lands and parks at the gate, when that seatbelt sign goes off and you get the people behind you standing up, oh my God. sometimes I turn around. I'm like, where do you think you're going? <laughs> I will be getting up at my time. Yes. You're not going to yeah. get in front of me. It's. I think it's when other people act competitive about this thing that isn't a competition it makes me mad but it also makes me competitive it's like you're wrong but i want to beat you i think is what is what the thing is that happens with me because it just drives me crazy i'm like this is not a race but now that you want it to be a race i want to win this race (laughs) it's so frustrating um do you have any travel hacks or tips that you have learned over the years um, I mean, maybe we'll keep it specific to like airports and airplanes. Everyone always asks me that, like people that work for the twins or friends of mine, they're like, Hey, when should I buy my ticket? You know, like, <laughs> right. I'm like, I, you know what, frankly, I don't, I don't really know. I, I don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff because like for personal flights, I just usually know when I'm going to book them, <clears throat> know when I need to fly and book them in well in advance. And I don't yeah. really think about, well, am I going to save six dollars a ticket if i wait until tuesday at 11 a.m pacific time like i'm not gonna like i don't want to deal with that type of stuff um but you know the one thing that and now it's not as much not as big of a deal but we used to look for when we had really young kids when our boys were really young we used to look try to get flights that had tvs with or uh, planes with the tvs in them Mm. because then you didn't have to worry about you know the ipad running out or the internet or whatever now it's like most of the Delta planes that are flying out of Minneapolis have the in-seat entertainment. So it's, you don't have to really look for that anymore. But that was one thing that we always tried to find when we were booking personal travel, you know, as it relates to the team, there's really not much, there, there aren't many hacks because, you know, like I've said a couple of times, like our travel is what it is. Like Delta provides us with the, the plane that we contract with them and, we get on the plane and go. What about packing? I want to ask something very, very specific. Patrick and I, we have a, a debate about this. Big I debate. I use packing cubes. Patrick does not. Not at all. Where do you stand? <laughs> Where do you stand on packing cubes? Well, my eight, or my eleven and eight year olds use packing cubes. Really? So you know okay. okay, so you're on the kid's uh-huh. side. Uh-huh. It's a youthful thing. Uh-huh. Oh, I have a I have a pretty. Um, straightforward way of packing. One side of my suitcase is like pants and shirts. The other side is like shorts, toiletries, um, sweat, you know, like zip ups or hoodies, mm-hmm. you know, 
like kind of like the non-work stuff. Yeah. I just separate them in the two two different sides of the suitcase. But one of the things, and I this is where I thought you were going with it. One of my another one of my quirks is I have to unpack right when I get home. Really? Uh, oh, I am so the same way. When you get home. Right when I get home. Yep. So when I get home, and regardless of what time it is, sometimes I'm rolling into the garage at 3.15 in the morning, and I come upstairs, and as soon as my wife hears the zipper of the suitcase, she wakes up, and every trip, it's like, are you really going to unpack right now? <laughs> I said, yes, because it doesn't take me long. You know, like, yeah. I bring the same stuff, the same type of stuff on every trip. So I know where the dirty stuff is. It goes in the in the laundry room. I know where the clean stuff is. It goes back in the closet. I know where yeah. the folded stuff is. It goes in the dresser. And I, I don't want to wake up to that stuff in the morning. I just want to be done with it. Yeah. yeah. That trip's over with. And I move on. I get that's that. That's where I thought you were going with the pack. No, well, that's, I, <laughs> well, that's a good thing to talk about because that's something that I, I might actually directly lift from this because I don't do that. And oh. it, and it, it, takes weeks for me and i'm like if there's one shirt in this bag and it's the bag sticking up so much of my house (laughs) it's like what am i doing i i agree with you man i i think unpacking as soon as you get home is the way to go i i mean uh for me another thing about packing cubes patrick let's hear it okay you can go right up to the laundry machine unzip it they all fall out into it it's very satisfying where do you put the cubes you put the cubes back in the bag when you store the bag. <laughs> okay, fine. You crazy I'm, person. No, look, look. <laughs> we'll call Mike's kids. We'll talk to Mike's kids okay. all about this. <laughs> They're going to be thrilled. Um, you must be like a, a packing expert at this point. I'm curious. Do you still forget things? No, you, I really don't. But I don't forget things that like, oh, shoot, I forgot to pack that one shirt, right? Mm-hmm, but it might right. be, I try to, you know, I obviously have to look at the weather in all these cities that we're going to because if you're going to... Texas in July, it's going to be 117 degrees, but then you might be going to Detroit and it's going to be like 62 and rainy. Yeah. So, so a lot of times, you know, our dress code over the years has gotten way more casual than when I first started with the twins. So it's a lot easier to pack. Now, back in the day, I used to have to pack all dress pants, all dress shirts. I had to, I always had to buy wrinkle-free dress shirts because I didn't want to iron them on the road Mm. and we, you know, sport coats on the, on the plane. Well, now it's like, People wear Lululemon, you know, sweats or, you know, Viore sweatsuits or whatever they want on the plane. And it's a lot easier to pack because it's there. Those are clothes you're going to you'd wear. Like if you're going out to dinner one night on the road. Right. Yeah. You're not going to wear a suit or or dress shirt if you have that with you. So I kind of know exactly what to pack, but sometimes I'll unpack at the hotel and then be like, oh, man, I wish I would have brought that fleece zip up. Mm. Or I wish I would have brought that Patagonia vest because it's a little chilly here. Yeah. But there's never really like, you know, sometimes I forget a phone charger, but I have like six of them packed in my backpack just in case. I I was, I was going to ask, I mean, (laughs) speaking of, of players, does your job get as granular as a player calling you up and saying, Hey Mike, I forgot my phone charger again. (laughs) Yes. Um, Usually. So usually after a road trip, on what well, I always ask the hotel when on travel day, I said, okay, I need you to help me with something. I need you to send me a list of all the players that didn't check out and pay their incidentals. And then I also need you to send me a list of anything that if anything was found in the rooms, because they usually do a sweep of all of our, of our room block. Mm-hmm. So they'll go through and look in each room, make sure everything's gone. Um, and I would say, 
seven out of 10 times there, there are items left behind. And then I'll just tell the hotel, can you just send it to me in Minnesota? I'll get it. You know, I don't want them to send it to the next city in case we're going somewhere else on the road. Cause if they don't send it, you know, overnight, I might miss it. And then it's, then we're, then we're just like chasing it. Right. Yeah. So I'll just have them send it to me in Minnesota and I get back from the road trip and there's a box on my desk and I just have to go back through my text messages and figure out, okay, which one of these guys forgot something in their room again. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's like a phone charger or like something that, you know, some bag of something that a guy was throwing away. Like, like he bought a new shirt, was throwing away a shirt or something, mm. you know, it's, it's, it could be something really silly, but it could also be like an iPad, a phone, yeah, um, a video game system. Like these guys, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And the funny part is, I always say, I always say, like, I wish these guys wouldn't forget all this stuff, and and I try to give them a hard time about forgetting it, but it's never going to change because we always recover it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So it's always like, Hey man, you forgot your, you forgot your iPad again in your room. Can you try not to forget it again? Oh yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I'll try not to. I had it plugged in over away from my bed over by the, by the window. And I forgot to look over there. Well, the next city, it happens again. Right. And you're like, all right. Why do you keep doing this? Come well, on, man. You keep getting it for me. So right. <laughs> sounds like you can have a lot of free iPads. Yeah. yeah. And that's so, yeah, you can't, you, what, what are the penalties you can enact? You can't, it's right. not, you, there's nothing to do here. Yeah. And then again, these are all adults at a job. So it's like, you can't, there's not like, there's no teaching anybody anything. Yeah. That's, right. that's frustrating. I bet. Um, uh, I, I, I had one more question for you, uh, Mike, uh, about travel. We were talking about your own personal travel. Um, uh, but we didn't talk about your destinations, where you like to go. Do you and your family have places you like to go frequently? Do you go to different places? Uh, what's the, the free time travel schedule? So because we live in Minnesota and because our off season is the fall and winter. Right. Time, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> uh, we like to go to warm destinations. Great. Um, my wife's family lived in California for a long time. So we used to go out there to visit them. They lived in the, in Northern California. So it was a little different than a warm weather, you know, beachy destination. Um, now they've since moved to Oklahoma. So that's even less of a beachy <laughs> destination. Yeah, hard to find a beach in Oklahoma. Certainly yeah. warm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, but we like same. to go to Florida, you know, I've spent every February and March in Fort Myers. Um, mm, nice. And watch that Margaritaville get built from the ground oh, up. Oh yeah, I know. It's yeah. been quite a saga over there. It's, it's, it's coming up. I think it's, it's pretty close Soon. to being open too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually excited to go see it when we get back down there in February, but you know, we, we like to go to Fort Myers or, you know, take the kids to Orlando and, you know, I, my, my wife and I actually got engaged on a cruise and she was seasick the entire seven days. Oh no. Um, so, so we don't do cruises anymore. Smart. Um, Wait, so you guys got engaged on it. So you proposed on the cruise. Yeah. So, so was she already sick when you proposed? Um, so I proposed the second night Okay. and she was starting to not feel well started oh, like that night okay yeah. we we made the mistake of leaving out of la in the middle of november and oh, it was yeah. cold yeah and the yeah. seas were really rough oh yeah um, put it this way the ship ran out of dramamine oh no, <laughs> no. yeah oh, so like you'd stand on the back of the ship and it would just you you lose sight of the horizon oh the ship no oh, 
So it was it was pretty bad. Uh, so we don't do cruises anymore. Yeah, so most yeah. of our most of our family vacations are to warm weather destinations, preferably with a beach and a, and and great great activities for kids. Great. Great. Love it. Super fun. Uh, Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a huge education for us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And if there's ever a time to to follow up, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to come back. Oh, absolutely. We wouldn't have to get out to a Twins game or or see you guys when you guys are traveling. Yeah. You guys are probably in Anaheim next season. We'll we'll get that done. Would love that. Sounds good. Love it. We'll get you a new hat, too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank God. This hair is going to scare some people away. We've got to get going. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, man. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Mike. You too. Bye. Patrick, that was Mike Herman. That was a cool one. That was really cool. I really am fascinated by that job. It's it's funny to think about somebody who gets that job it probably didn't plan to have that job. Yeah. But it's a vital job. Without him, they don't get to where they need to go. Yeah, yeah. And also as like someone who now travels a little more frequently than they used to, uh, it's something that I'm – it's very interesting. I like traveling, and I feel like I'm personally very good at it. But knowing that – I am completely different from, like, my wife, from the rest of our family. So knowing that there's, like, 50 to 70 people who he needs to coordinate with is mind-blowing. Couldn't be me. I'm a solo traveler. I love to just get places by myself because I know that I can't let myself down. (laughs) So to be involved with a large organization (laughs) like that, I can't imagine it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, every week we talk about something we do that is very Margaritaville. What have you done that is Margaritaville this week? So this week we are we're you know in the the cooler season, right? We're we're gearing up for the holidays, and you know people aren't buying Hawaiian shirts as much as they are during the summer, right? So I found a sale on wow. Hawaiian shirts, and I took full advantage of Hawaiian it. shirt sale. Hawaiian shirt sale. That's wow. right. Yeah, I got a ton. My closet is stuck. Huge. It's Huge. A, like a bouquet in there. <laughs> it's like a bouquet. Yeah, I don't hang them. I just <laughs> ball them all together. Very good. <laughs> Do a little zip tie around the bottom. Yeah. It's very pretty, very wrinkly. Very good. How about you? Ryan, something I did that was very simple, but also very Margaritaville. I bought a little travel sunscreen. Oh. And I have travel sunscreen in my car. Yeah. And I usually have it in my pocket now. <gasps> I'm never without sunscreen, even in Los Angeles, even on a cloudy day, even when the only thing that's exposed are my hands or my face or whatever. I'm full on sunscreen now. That's smart. It's really smart. We got to remember that sunscreen isn't just for the summer. And we got to remember that sunscreen is for every single day. Yeah. I know that I'm going to have some negative benefits if I don't. Yeah. If I don't uh, spray up. Protect your skin, moisturize. It's yeah. important. Yeah. So a little after school special vibes for my thing that I did was <laughs> that was Margarita. The more Bell. you know. Yeah, a little more you know. But <laughs> hey, I think that's important as well. It is. But wouldn't you know it, Ryan? It's time to check out. Well, until next time, I am Ryan Middledorf. I'm Patrick McDonald. We will see you next week. License to Chill is the official Margaritaville podcast, produced by Tamara Baldanza Decker, Courtney Watkins, and Kirsten Winquest. Art by Tom Boyd. Music by Aaron McAnally and Mick Utley. Additional resources provided by Coleman Sisson. New episodes are released every Monday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.